welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 2, the New Testament book of 1 John chapter 2. Also, we will be turning over our Bibles in a little bit to the book of Romans in chapter 1. We'll be looking at chapter 1 verses 24 and 25. So those will be our two scripture passages this morning as we're going through this month. We're not going to go through every single verse of 1 John, but we're going to be looking at what this uh, letter from the apostle and the disciple of John is all about. And we're coming up on a passage today that has two main points for us. Number one, it's talking about what we would call worldliness. So we're going to see what worldliness is. Worldliness is all around us. Second, we're going to see the word Antichrist in the letters here in First and Second John is the only place in the Bible that the word Antichrist is actually used. We're going to see what that means and how actually what in many ways there's the Antichrist who will emerge during the tribulation, during the end times. We see that emergence in the book of Revelation. But then there's what we call the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's the spirit of the world today, of this, a, a spirit that leads people away from the Lord. But before we turn to this, I was uh, um, a significant event. Who here graduated from Asbury University? Any Asbury University grads? A well-educated group right there. So, all right. Um, Anybody sent their kids to Asbury University or grandkids? Kids or grandkids, you've paid for them and sent them to that school in Wilmore. One, two. All right, so a couple of folks. So, oh, John. Oh, look at that. He sent his wife there to Asbury. So that is. So, uh, he, so Asbury is actually right down this highway here in a little town called Wilmore. It's a Christian university. And on February 3rd, 1970. 53 years ago, their dean of their school, his name is Custer Reynolds, he was scheduled to speak in chapel, just a regular chapel service, 53 years ago at Asbury. And, but he felt led by the Lord, instead of bringing his message to the students, that he just wanted to open it up for personal testimonies and the students sharing what God was doing in, in their lives. <coughs> the kids on campus had been praying for spiritual renewal. And you know, that's a prayer we, we desperately need for our world today. And I was just talking to one of you before the service began. It's like you come into church, and you're in one world, and then you go outside this building. You, once you drive off our campus, you're in this radically different universe of all sorts of different beliefs. And it's, it's not getting any better. And that's a sign that we need revival. We need spiritual renewal in our land. We need the presence of God to come down and save souls of people who need Jesus. So what happened was, you know, he, you know anytime you open up a church service for testimonies, the, the pastor has a, there's a secret danger that you have that no one's going to come. You're just going to sit there and it's going to be crickets. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and I say, well, well, anyway, never mind, we'll get back, back to the message. But that's not what happened. In 1970, he opened it up, and all of a sudden, one after another, students started coming up to the microphone, 
And revival has several characteristics to it. It involves repentance of sin and confession. Public testimony. People confessing their sins and turning to the Lord saying, I'm wrong, I shouldn't have done this. Well, the service started just regular chapel service. It didn't end. It just kept going and going and going. It went on for a week. They canceled class. And a great movement of God occurred 53 years ago at Asbury. I'm just curious, did anybody participate or maybe even remember that 53 years ago? Does anybody remember you were around? All right, Ben Biddle. So one person. So thank you, Ben. So did you get to go to it, Ben? So it was. It was one of those that it was uh, very, uh, it was in the news, very popular. Well, that happened again. I tell this story because this past week, it happened again. The church service from, the chapel service, from my understanding, is still going on down the street. You know, they started, I believe, Wednesday morning, and it's still continuing of incredible times of revival. Now, remember, what is revival? We, in the fall, schedule a revival. Now, we call that a revival, but that's more like an old camp meeting where you're scheduling something, bring in a uh, guest preacher, have special music, and it's an evangelistic event that you're calling people and encouraging people to live for the Lord. A true revival of what we see is when you see redeemed, saved people, maybe they've become stagnant in their faith, they've drifted away from the Lord, and they're receiving a fresh touch from the Lord. They're getting revived. All of a sudden, they're turning away from their sins. They've gotten involved in doing things and practices that are wrong, and they're turning back to the Lord. That is a revival. We see that in the Old Testament. When Josiah found the book of the law, when they were rebuilding the temple, they found the, the, basically God's covenant, and it says a revival broke out among the people. People returned to the Lord. In our country, our churches, our city is in need of a revival. We want to be praying for those students and praying for the move of God going on down our street here in Wilmore in anticipation that it doesn't just stay in Wilmore, it spreads to other college campuses, to other schools, and to churches that people realize, you know, relying upon the government, relying upon the immorality all around us in this wicked world we live, there is no hope whatsoever. No hope. And we're going to see that here in our Bibles. I'm a fan of Franklin Graham, and I get his little Decision magazine. I'm sure many of you receive it too. And I was reading it this month, in this month's issue, he makes a statement. He's here talking about uh, our present darkness that we're, we live in. Just the, the great need all around us. And I'm not going to list every single thing he talked about, but this one sentence he said, For decades now, America has been gradually, gradually abandoning the moral and spiritual precepts that have long informed our nation with God's objective truth. And that's absolutely right when he says this. God's objective truth, which is our Bibles, it has informed and guided our country. And decade after decade, each generation is just drifting farther and farther. Not just drifting, abandoning those moral precepts. And then he just goes on in that article and lists all the problems and the unbelievable things that have occurred and are occurring here in our wonderful country. 
And that is a result of when you are not guided by the Word of God, when you have not been saved by the Word of God, when Christ does not dwell inside of you, that is what occurs. And that's what we're going to pick up here in 1 John chapter 2. So follow along here in your Bible. Verse 15, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is, in not, in, is not in him. That means, folks, you cannot, we cannot, I cannot be a person who just enjoys life, loves life, does whatever he wants, just lives for himself and love the Lord. There is a contrast. This is, this is indwelling sin where you want to do what you want to do selfishness versus a life of living and honoring the Lord. And he says you can't do it. Believers cannot live this way. This is an ongoing contrast in our life. You're either going to live for yourself, which is ultimately worldliness is rooted in selfishness. It's what you want. What do you want? What makes you happy? Versus the Lord. Am I going to live for the Lord? Am I going to wake up this day and say, God, I'm yours. That's what we see here. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father. These things are not from God. That's not God's plan and purpose for us. But it's from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. The Bible's teaching us the world cannot give us what we need. And when he says the one who remains that's committed to the Father, committed to God, remains forever, it means that's eternal, that's eternal salvation. That is our hope we hang our hat on. That's by Jesus saving us. Because the world, this worldliness, it, it passes away. And there's this, he talks about the will of God. It is the Lord's will in your life and in my life, in our church's life, that we find the will of God. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. You know, and when we find ourselves living this worldly life, we will find ourselves slowly moving farther away from God. Now, I want you to keep your finger here in 1 John. Because I believe the passage in Romans chapter 1 illustrates this better than any other Bible verse. If there are verses for today that we live in in 2023, it's in Romans chapter 1. I don't want everybody to turn there. So keep your finger, 1 John, flip over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Paul is writing what he calls about moral depravity. About when the world and culture and life, it just gets worse and worse, and worse, and worse. Things just naturally don't get better. They get worse. And our, our, our city is in this. And this is why revival is so important in renewal, spiritual renewal, is dependent upon God. So what Paul's telling us here is he's uh, showing us about what people are, all of a sudden, they're created by God. They were made for God. They find their purpose and their hope for God, yet they have exchanged what God made and what God called good for 
things of the world. Creation. They've exchanged the gift and the glory of God from what was act for what was created by God. Exchange God to God's creation. And that is worldliness. That's the definition of worldliness. You all of a sudden are saying, I don't want the Lord. I'd rather have this over here, this creation by the Lord. It's better than the Lord. And that's what, and I think for us personally, we have to make sure we're always saying, Lord, is, is this right? Should I do this? Is this godly? Is this pleasing to you? Is this holy? Is this your will? Because this is telling us what happens right here. Verse 24, Romans 1.24, Therefore God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. What the Lord will eventually say is, look, if you want to live that way, fine, go do it. The God is not going to stop people from destroying themselves. The only time we see him doing, in fact, that's why, the, that's why Noah's Ark, that's why the flood occurred. The people became so immoral. Only Noah and his family were the righteous ones. He said, we're starting over again. This world is so wicked. And in many ways, the, the book of Revelation, end, that's the same thing God's saying is coming to the end. The tribulation is a return of the flood. He can't flood the earth again because that's why he, we have the rainbow. Remember, the rainbow, the bow in the sky says it's His covenant to man that He gave as a reminder to God that He will never again flood the earth. That's what the rainbow stands for every time we see it. God remembers, oh, that's right, I don't need to destroy the earth. So what do we have? We have the tribulation, which is just man destroying himself in the Antichrist and massive worldliness and opposition to the Lord and terrible events that occur. And it ends in seven years. The flood lasted six months. Tribulation, seven years. And we're leading to that time. And it says here that God at this point, He just turns people over. He doesn't force anyone to worship Him. That's why the Bible says in the Genesis chapter 1, they had this choice. They had this, they had this, this they had the opportunity to either worship the, worship the Lord and honor the Lord by not eating from the tree in the middle of the garden. That was their one rule. Don't eat from this tree. That's their free will. They have one command. But they did. It says, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. One of the signs of depravity is people destroy and mutilate their bodies. You take, our body was created by the Lord. This is the Lord's creation. We're creating the image of God. So when you start destroying your body, changing your body, you're doing what verse 24 talks about. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God. That's our Bible. That's what we have received from the Lord. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That means there's these lies all around us. And they've worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator. Meaning, instead of the Lord, they're worshipping each other. And they, they have believed this lie and they do not realize it. And it says here, that this exchange occurs 
and that we are to recognize as Christians that we can't what what worldliness does is it moves the focus away from the Lord and His truth, what it says here in verse 25, and exchanges it for man's wisdom. Folks, we are reminded by God's Word that there is no hope. Government doesn't save people. It It doesn't matter how good nations can manage themselves. That is not salvation. No matter how strong your military is, it's not your hope. The Bible teaches right here, it is the truth of God that our salvation is found upon. This is the definition of worldliness. It's the exchange for God to man, which is creation. And then you worship the wrong thing. And I believe if we're not careful, we can find ourselves having this desire and envy and this want for the creation instead of God. We always have to stop and say, Lord, are my passions, are my, my, my desires, the way I spend my money, the way I devote my time, the way I look, what I look, at, look at on the internet, what I use my phone for, has it been redirected away from you? Now flip back in your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. You're, we're here in 1 John chapter 2. Now we're about to get into what we call the Antichrist. This is the spirit of the Antichrist today. So we hear this word a lot, and unfortunately, in common culture, the word Antichrist is mocked. And it's something as a joke. It's something that we, we picture this man wrestling, and uh, I've seen memes on the internet of arm wrestling Jesus to see who's going to win. That, that's not what we're talking about here. Yes, there's an Antichrist who will rise up, and he will direct people to worshiping the devil. That was what we will see in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. We see that all over in the uh, tribulation, the end times. That's the return of the flood. The earth coming to the end. Just like in the times of Noah. But this here is the spirit of the Antichrist which will be laying a foundation for what's going to come. And what's happening ever since man after the flood God, God's people were Israel. They were chosen by the Lord. He's establishing His people. He sends His Savior, Jesus. He has uh, died on a cross. He's resurrected for mankind. And ever since then, there has been a drift away from the Lord. In times like we see, like the revival down the street at Asbury, and maybe the first and second great awakening that, we, uh, that occurred 100 plus, 200 years ago here in America, there's times of renewal where people will turn back to the Lord. Churches will be filled up. You'll have these seasons of phenomenal uh, spiritual vitality in your life for maybe a decade or two decades. But then all of a sudden, worldliness creeps back in and people drift away from the Lord. And that's the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's just seasons of ups and downs. And we see this in the Old Testament. This is what Israel went through with all the kings. You had good kings that honored the Lord. You had bad kings that abandoned the Lord. And it's a, a cycles until God eventually said, you've destroyed yourself because of your wickedness. Look what it says here. The last hour. We are living in the last hour. Children, it is the last hour. And you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. 
And now many antichrists have come. These antichrists, these are people who come and pull people and teach people to abandon the Lord. There are antichrists all around us. In many ways, our antichrists might not be your pastors and people always standing in the pulpit. It could be folks you're watching and listening to on the internet. It could be people on TV. It's a spirit, and we're going to get into what, what constitutes the spirit of the Antichrist. It's people who are teaching falsely with false doctrine of the wrong way. And I want to tell you, for us today, the self-help movement is a perfect example of the spirit of the Antichrist. The self-help movement teaches you can make yourself better. And it's about you. And you need to improve. You need to do this. And these three or four things will improve your life. And the Bible is saying that's a lie. What improves your life and what only can ultimately improve your life is Christ. Christ alone. So we see here in verse 19. It says, we know this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. John is writing this letter to some church somewhere. We don't know where it's going. And apparently these people had abandoned the faith. And we won't turn there, but there is an example of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. There's a man in the church of Ephesus, that Paul started. And he's writing a letter to the pastor there named Timothy. And Timothy had this leader there named Demas. And Demas abandoned the church. He abandoned the faith. He was faithful at one point, And for whatever reason, the Bible says he became worldly. He drifted away. And now he was out of church. And Timothy apparently was struggling with this and Paul wrote him a letter saying he's abandoned the faith. He was never really saved. There are people who will do this today. They abandon the gospel. We're going to see how to do that. So that's what's happening here in verse 19. They've left, they've left what's been made so clear. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. That means you have been saved. Folks, Broadway, you are different. You live for the Lord. We aren't worldly people. The way we spend our money, the way we use our time, the way we act at work, the language from our mouth. Folks, there are fa- there's, have you noticed how much? There, you can't even get away from foul language. Everywhere you go, TV, regular TV, internet, I even try to not, you, try to not, uh, I try to mute it in my life, and you still can't. Even the podcasts I listen to, all around. And the Bible's telling us here, you've been anointed by the Holy One. Meaning God has saved you. You are different. We as Christians, Scripture is telling us, you, in verse 20, and you know the truth. Meaning you know what's right and wrong. Many of you have heard hundreds, thousands of sermons throughout your life. Nothing I'm saying is new. I'm preaching from a book that's 2,000 plus years old. 
You've heard Sunday school lessons. You've heard sermons on this passage. And the Bible is reminding us this morning, you have been anointed by God. You're different. You're not worldly. Know your identity, and it's in the Lord. I want to tell you, as our, as our culture and our city, our country becomes more and more depraved, we, we cling to these Bible verses. Just like Miss Francis sang the song, I cling to the old rugged cross. That's all we have. It's Christ. And we remember, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I don't think, act, spend my money, do things that other people do. That is what it means to be saved by the Holy Spirit, to be set apart for Him. It's a call to holiness. The revival going on 20 miles down the road, it, it's people confessing their sins, Christians confessing their sins, repenting of their sins, saying, I'm going to be different. And that's what we say this morning. We say, Lord, change me. Goes on to say here, however, Verse, verse 20, you have this you have anointing from the Holy One and all you know the truth. I have not written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the truth. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? Is it not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist. There it is. The man who lies about Jesus is the Antichrist. It's the spirit of deception. Well, how does he lie? The one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the, denies the Son has the Father. Meaning, you cannot say, I love God, but hate Jesus. Or I don't accept Jesus, and I love God. We go to God through Jesus. You can't have either or. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. So we see this about the spirit of the Antichrist, which is our spirit today. So I'm going to let you know there's two things we see here. This is what it looks like today. Here in 2023, tying this section in what it was like back then, there's two parts of this. In verse 19, it says here that the spirit of the Antichrist, it says they abandoned the fellowship of believers. They went out from us. Meaning, People who've abandoned church, the regular gathering of the church, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. This is a false statement. You, this statement I'm about to make, we hear it all the time. It is not found in the Bible. Have you ever heard this? Someone says, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you also don't need water to be a fish. I mean, you can be a fish out of water. You're not going to be a live fish very long. But that statement, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Scripture does not teach us that. The purpose of the church is a group of born-again believers who meet on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, the day of resurrection, to worship the Lord. Do you know in the book of, if you're reading along in our, our yearly Bible, you read this in Exodus 34 this week. If you worked on the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 34, you were to be put to death. I mean, could you imagine that? Oh, I clocked in at work on Sunday, or back then it was on Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry, it's over for you. 
I mean, it was truly a day off. You did nothing on the Sabbath. For us, it's the Lord's day. And God's calling us here. The spirit of the Antichrist are people who go around saying, oh, you don't need to listen to church. You don't need to go there. You don't need to listen to him. You just do your own thing. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. And we see that in verse 19 we just read. The second part, that's physically. That's the physical part of the Antichrist. Spiritually, the spirit of the Antichrist abandons biblical Christianity. They might claim a Christianity, but it's not biblical Christianity. And this is deception. This is all around us today. And this is illustrated in verse 22. It says, who is the liar? Is it not the one who denies Jesus is the Christ? That means there's lies in the spirit of the Antichrist. This is what it looks like. And this is how it's communicated all around us. This is an incredibly dangerous statement I'm about to make. I know the Bible says, but... I know the Bible says, but, and fill in the blank, whatever you want to put after the but. Because what you've just done when you speak like that, or when you hear people talk like that, things saying, yes, God has said this, but this situation, this person, this research, this organization, this experience, this lifestyle, this change in the world, in our culture, what you're doing is the answer is, I know what the Bible says. Then you put a period. Folks, that's it. That is God speaking. The moment you put that conjunction, but you have then nullified the Word of God. Folks, this happens all the time. All around us. I hear these two things. You don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I know the Bible says, but you you just move on, and once you go down that road, you can say anything you want after the but. It's It's all you. Because there's no longer God at that point. It's whatever you want. Folks, those two things, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's around us. It's among us. And you're going to hear it this afternoon. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. And all you're going to watch on the Super Bowl, at least on the commercials, is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's all you'll see. People leading you away from biblical, gospel Christianity. That is what we are commanded in Scripture to guard against worldliness. It's here, it's among you, and the Bible's teaching us we are not here to win the approval of man. We as Christians, we live for the Lord. We want to be good workmen that wins God's approval. And this morning, we have to make sure that whenever we're around people who are critical of Christian worship, and there are many people, they're critical of Christian worship, and they're critical of biblical truth. You need to step back and say, I'm not listening to this person. I'm not going to believe whatever they say. I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to change the channel. I'm going to get out of this conversation. I'm going to step away. 
unless the Lord's teaching you to correct them. And then if it leads to an argument, then you realize this is going nowhere. You don't argue people into turning to Jesus. The way folks get saved, the way folks turn to Jesus, is God moves in their heart. He uses biblical truth. He uses the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, and they're changed by the power of God. And this morning, we hear, we look here at second, first, first John chapter 2. The Bible has warned us against worldliness. It's here. We have to be prepared for this. Worldliness is what you want. It's selfishness. It's rooted in man. You've exchanged God for creation. And then we're warned here about the spirit of the Antichrist, which is rejecting Christian worship, and it's rejecting biblical truth. I know what the Bible says, but there you go. You can sail that ship, fly that airplane wherever it wants to go, yet it crashes, it sinks. Because you're no longer with what God says. That is what the book of Romans chapter 1 talks about moral depravity. You're just going down a slope, getting lower and lower, farther and farther away from God. So when we say as a church, when you say as a Christian, we are rooted in the Word of God, that means I believe the Bible, period. That's what it means to be rooted in biblical truth. Biblical Christianity. If you just say, oh, I'm a Christian, the label Christian, the label church, it, it can mean almost anything today. Anything. Do you know in the time, <coughs> if you study what happened during the Holocaust, the churches there, and this is one, there was a great theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You can read many of his works. He passed away at age 39 because he stood up against Hitler. And he also stood up against a lot of the churches there. He was a Lutheran. That's the church in Germany. And the church, many of the churches there, what they did is on the front, and some of them, they sadly, they still have this today. You can still see it. They put a swastika on the front of their uh, church, on the front door, or on the outside of the building. And the purpose of the swastika was to show, because that's what Hitler, that was his symbol, to show the Nazis, the Third Reich, that we're on board with the program. We're with you. So what happens is, Hitler, they didn't want biblical Christianity. They wanted folks to be on board with where the Third Reich was going and the Nazi, Nazi army, the German army, what he, he was doing. So they just kind of said, hey, we're with the program. We put our swastika on the door. So there, there's no, nothing here with us. Don't, don't bother coming in here looking for people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer because you won't find them in this building because we're on board with whatever you're doing, Hitler. Do you know what the swastika is today? Folks, it's a rainbow flag out front of a church. It's the exact same thing. The swastika has been replaced with the rainbow flag. That is worldliness. That was occurring in Germany 85 years ago. And it's now occurring here in America today. But the symbol has changed. And the Bible's telling us we live in a day of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is among us. And it's abandoning biblical truth. And it's essential, or it is, turning to the devil. 
And we as Christians, we're reminded here that we live in the last hour, and verse 20 says, reading it again, you have been anointed by the Holy One. That is the anointing, the salvation that we cling to as believers. God, I thank You for this Word. I thank You that You will seal this on our hearts among all this worldliness around us. Jesus, I pray that as we have our invitation, we do this not because we want to, not because we're supposed to, not because even we need to. Lord, we have this invitation because of You. You call us to respond. Lord, it's not for us an invitation. Lord, it's for You. We respond to You. You want Your creation to cry and call and respond to You, Lord. God, I pray this invitation. There's folks here. There are. They need to respond to you. This message is convicting. It teaches us that we can go down a road that just it leads to de- 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 moral depravity with no hope. Destruction. A spirit of the devil. Spirit of the Antichrist. Lord, there's people here, they need to get saved. Because if they don't, if you don't turn to the Lord, you just get washed with the rest of the culture. Lord, we want the anointing of the Holy One. As verse 20 tells us. Lord, we want to step out of our seats. Come out of our pew and say, Lord, I want you. Lord, I need you. Lord, save me. Lord, this is our time of responding to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every service with our invitation. Because we're honoring the Lord. This is your time that you respond to the the Lord. You can get saved. I'm going to be standing down front. We have our deacons that also stand up here with me. And this is also our time where we join our church. You need to be a part of a Bible-believing, gospel-teaching church. You want to make Broadway your church home. We're under the banner of Jesus. So let's stand together, and we're going to sing, Just As I Am, a great hymn of responding to God, just as we are coming to Him. All right, let's stand together. We're going to respond to the gospel.